Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. You know, for the first time, Sam received a letter, and it was telling him that he had been called up to jury duty. Has anybody ever been called to jury duty? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, you'll appreciate this then. (laughs) On that appointed day, Sam joined several others who had been summoned as well. When it was his turn to come into the courtroom, Sam just walked up to the judge and said, Sir, I just think it's best that you just send me home. Just just send me home. I'm, I'm of no use to you. Well, of course, the judge said, please explain to me. You got to tell me why. Why in the world would you have such a request? He says, because I'm a biased person. I've been that way all my life. Well, give me an example, the judge said. He said, well, I'm looking at that prisoner over there right now, and I can say without a shadow of doubt from the way he looks, he's absolutely, definitely guilty. Oh, Mr. Jones, said the judge, the prisoner has not yet come into the courtroom. The man you're looking at is a prisoner's lawyer. (laughs) Now, I say that to say this. Can we agree over the past seven months that reality has been skewed? Perception is clouded. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Oh, I see it everywhere. People just can't see. People can't see things as they should. People don't see when it's going to end, how it's going to end. Are we ever going to get back to normal? You hear these things all the time. Now, I I want you to repeat after me some words, okay? Where there is no vision, vision, the people perish. The people perish. It's a very familiar verse. But if you have a place to write, I want to give you a couple, if you will, defining moments in this verse. The word vision in the Hebrew means to dream. It means to dream. And again, I would just simply say it's a little hard to dream when the past few months have felt more like a nightmare, okay? But I want you to think about that. If you see the negative, you're going to get the negative. If you see the positive, you're going to get the positive. Now, this isn't a message about optimism versus pessimism, okay? But where there's no dream, the Bible says that people perish. The word perish means out of control. And when I look at our world right now, I think out of control is quite descriptive in a rightful sense. Would you Mm -hmm. agree with that? Yes. Where there is no dream... In fact, let me add this word, where there's no controlling dream. Okay, I I believe this. If you're not controlled by a dream, your dream is nothing more than a fantasy. A dream has to have, if you will, potential. It has to have direction. You have to really believe in it. Don't miss that. Where there is no controlling dream, lives are out of control. They're out of control. And that's why I think this message is so important. It's a message I've entitled, Getting Our Vision Back. Getting Our Vision Back. You know, I heard a pastor uh, this week in regard to COVID. And, and literally the last, if you will, eight months, with all that's going on, things that are in legislation, of course, the election, uh, uh, all the racism issues, I mean, everything. And he's describing this to his congregation to the point that I'm listening, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. 
And he looks at his people and he says, he said, I've never wanted to see the ball drop in Times Square more this year than any other year. And the people busted into applause and laughter. But then he said this. He said, church, do not miss this. The turning of the calendar will do nothing to get people's hearts turned back to Christ. And so the ball dropping doesn't change anything. We need to be that change now. How do we get our vision back? How do we do this? It's so important because we need to get vision, but not just any vision. We need God's vision. We need to see as God sees because people do not miss this. Despite how unrestful everything looks to us, it is still in perfect harmony with God. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. God is still sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, and our God is still in complete control, despite that man is out of control. You with me on this? We serve an incredible higher power, amen? Amen. We need that vision. And believe it or not, this is going to be a great message because I'm going to actually show you in the Word of God how. I'm going to show you the steps that God gives us in getting our vision back. Does that sound cool? Mm-hmm. I love this stuff. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And as you're going there, I want to give you a little backdrop, if you will, to our story. Now, this is the last week of Jesus's life. We're, we're now, if you will, under seven days left that Jesus is going to be arrested, he's going to be crucified, and he's going to be stuck in a grave. Jesus is going to die. This is well on Jesus's mind, and Jesus's feet are pointed to Jerusalem. He comes to the city, if you will, of Jericho. Now, the Bible says, we already know, because we have, if you will, the rest of the story, so we know that Jesus is in his last week. You can imagine his mind is filled with a lot. I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but there's a lot on his mind, okay? And with everything going on the inside, while he's going into Jericho, on his way to Jerusalem, getting ready, if you will, to die on the cross for the sins of the world, not only is there much going on in the inside, There is a huge crowd pressing on the outside. And Jesus comes into the city, and as he's leaving out of the city, in the gate there, he comes to a group of beggars. Now, it's important you catch this. Begging, especially of blindness, because the blind people, all they could do was beg. Now, today, we have a lot of technology, and you can live a really productive life, not back then. Begging was the absolute, and being blind as a beggar was the biggest curse you could have in your life. You can't read, you can't write, you can't work. Your entire life is at the mercy of everybody else. It's an awful way to live. And Jesus, with everything on the inside, people pressing on the outside, coming out of Jericho now, he comes out of the gate, and there's a group of beggars. Now catch this, they're blind beggars. And where there's no vision, people perish. He's blind. 
One of them significantly we're going to talk about. What a miserable way to live. We need vision. We need something to open our eyes. Now, with that backdrop, I want you to look, if you would, at Mark 10, beginning in the 46th verse. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. Where is he? He's sitting where? Beside the road. Dude's in the ditch. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. I just find that interesting. Jesus doesn't go to him. The dude's blind. And Jesus says, you tell him to come to me. Now, you'd think that's a little calloused. I just want to stop here because I want, I want you to catch this. When you can't see and you have no clue where you're going, you can still listen and hear the voice of God. And the sadness is, is that so many people always want to see what God's doing. They don't want to obey what he's already written and told you what to do. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up. The dude's blind. And he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi... The blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. We'll come back to that in just a moment. I love this story. Love this story. You know, Helen Keller once asked, was, was asked, is being blind the greatest of human tragedy? To which she replied, no, the greatest human tragedy is having seeing eyes and yet cannot see. And I think that's true today. What you see is what you believe. How you look is how you're going to live. Jesus said in Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if the eyes are bad, the whole body is in darkness. Vision is a big deal. And I know that some of you can't see right now. And I don't say that to be critical. You can't see, how's this ever going to end? What does a new normal look like? Some of you can't see, how are we going to get out of debt? Some of you can't see, how's my marriage actually going to find healing? What's going to happen to my kids? You can't see. But here's the good news. In this beautiful, wonderful story, there is amazing hope. Crazy, amazing, life-giving, supernatural hope. And I love this story. From this blind beggar 
I'm going to give you the process from the promises of God that if you and I can take these steps, we're going to get our vision, God's vision. You with me? Yes. So here's step one. I want you to write it down. We need hope to cope. We need hope to cope. As the old adage goes, if you believe you cannot, you most certainly will not. It's just a truth in life. If you think you missed it, you did. If all you do is sit around and go, I'm going to fail, you're going to fail. Hope is a big deal in our lives when it comes to understanding vision. How many times did Jesus say, according to your faith, it will be done? He didn't say, according to my faith. He didn't even say, according to my word. What do you believe? That's what hope is. Look at verses 46 through 47. As Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed Jesus. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming, that Jesus was nearby, he begins to shout. He's living the most cursed life, at least from the human world in which he's living. And he begins to shout, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Now I want you to think about this. Think about what's going on. And I say this, you will never stand up, you will never stand out among thousands unless you are certainly convinced that there is one who will stand up and stand out for you. I think most people are fearful of talking about Jesus because they have no clue who they'd be talking about. When you understand Jesus, and see, Bartimaeus had heard about this dude. Bartimaeus had heard about the power. And when he hears it's Jesus, he begins to shout, Son of David, hey, Jesus, have mercy on me. Why is he doing that? Because I know he can help. Jesus, that's the key to hope. This is the key to hope. Listen, no one should stand up. No one should stand out more than God's people. Amen to that? Yeah. We got Jesus. <laughs> we got Jesus. First Peter 1 says this, God paid for you with the precious life of Jesus. And because of this, you can trust. You can trust that God raised him from the dead and gave him great glory. Now watch this. Now your faith and hope can rest in him. All because of Jesus. If we understand who he is, what he has done, and here's Bartimaeus, pre-crucifixion, resurrection. And I wonder how many people he tried to lean on to help. But yet this time he knows the healer's coming. The healer's coming. You got to have hope to cope. Here's number two, and then we're going to talk. You have to trust Christ above your critics. This is so important. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. 
I don't care what everybody else says. I'm not ashamed because it is the power. It can truly release the captive. It can do what it says it can do. And I, I want to add to that. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. Now, church, we need to figure this one out. If you really have hope to cope and really believe what Jesus can do, then you better trust Christ above your critics because there's always going to be a crowd against you. There's always going to be naysayers, partly because they don't get it, partly because they're hurting themselves. You with me? There's always going to be people that will say, who do you think you are? There's always going to be people that say, that can't be done. There's always going to be people who say, it's always been this way. And I just simply say this, it might have always been that way, just not his way. <laughs> I love this cartoon. It's kind of stupid, but I appreciate it. It depicts Jesus with children all around him. And Jesus has kind of got a yuppie kind of feel going on. He says, so uh, I was like chilling with my homies at the Last Supper. And I was like, bro, uh, this food you're eating is my body. And they were like, no way. And I was like, Yahweh. <laughs> yeah, I just love that. <laughs> but here's what I've discovered. Most people either don't have vision or lose vision because they keep listening to the wrong voices. All depends on who you listen to. See, one of the greatest fears we all have, you ready for this, is the fear of disapproval. It's one of the great fears we have, especially when it's coming from those who are closest to you. But when you're in Christ, you already have all the approval you need. Why are you looking for the approval of others? See, Proverbs 29 says, the fear of human opinion disables, but trusting in God protects you from that. See, if you fear disapproval, you're never going to experience God's dream. You're never going to get God's vision because you cannot serve two masters. That's what Jesus said. Bartimaeus, he hears the critics say, be quiet. Who do you think you are? But I love what Bartimaeus does. He only shouts louder. He doesn't care. You see, Bartimaeus was more focused on what he believed, the hope, he believed what Jesus could do for him than what everybody else was bellering at him. That's the key. You might write this down. A silent faith is a shallow faith. The mouth speaks what's in the heart. A silent faith is a shallow faith. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord speak up, speak out. Because we know who we're speaking about can change everything. Bartimaeus is in the cursed, the most cursed position in life. Whoever you want to describe as the lowest of low, he would have been lower. 
Being blind was awful. And yet Jesus is coming. And he don't care. I know what Jesus can do. We've all heard the words of Teddy Roosevelt. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or whether the doer of the deeds could have done it better. There's always those people. What Teddy Roosevelt was saying was, the magic, the power belongs to the one who trusts Christ over the critics. We say it all the time, great math, okay? One plus God is always the majority. I don't care how big the crowd is. So you gotta have hope to cope, but you gotta trust Christ way above the critics. What's going through your mind as we're talking thus far? It's so encouraging to hear you share this story because it's going over everything. And how do you say his name, Bartimaeus? His, his hope was so loud that he couldn't even hear the naysayers telling him to be quiet. And that is so encouraging to hear because when you're trusting God above your critics, I think about things or I mull things over and to kind of stop that and trust God, uh, trust Christ, uh, that makes that, that trust louder than my mulling over, maybe is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I just love how single focused he is. And I think that's one of the things that can complicate life so much. We, when, when I'm single focused, I mean, Katie, bar the door, it's, I'm going to go for it, right? But when I start thinking about how that would or what it should or how it could, then, then nothing happens. Basically, I kill the dream before it ever has a chance to escape me. So I love this. And I've never seen that he was using his ears to get to Jesus. I actually thought with his second scream out that he had his faith had caused his sight to come back and he walked directly to Jesus. And then Jesus said, well, go on your way. You, you know, your sight has healed you. Your faith has healed you. But I love the single focus part. I need that reminder. Stay single focused, Dorothy. That's good. Thanks. I think I think of the quote from it's a it's a Christmas movie. They say seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. And I think that's just really what I come to is because we're not just going to see God. We truly have to believe in him and cry out to him for your vision to come back to you. So step number 3 then is we have to then trust, and here's key, and obey. As the old hymn goes, for there's no other way. We've got to trust. Look at verse 49. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, come, they said, he is calling you. Now, I want you to write something down. Calling and vision always go together. Calling and vision always go together. God's call on your life is God's vision for your life. Now, for some of you might be sitting right now going, oh, but, but I don't know what God really called me to do. I'm going to help you. Everybody is called by God. 
But what we've done is we've taken such a powerful word, if you will, and we attach it to like a pastor, someone in the ministry. Well, that's, you're called to do that. No, 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 no. If you know Jesus, you're in ministry. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says we are all called, it's in there, to know him. We're all called to know him. We are all called to love him. We are all called to serve him. We are all called to share him with others. We are all called to forgive others as he has forgiven us. The question is, God is called, did you pick up the phone? Because if you haven't, you're going to be blind. You are not going to see. And it saddens me in in today's world that when it comes to calling, they lump it on my life and what I do as if somehow that excuses or justifies them for them not doing anything. Calling and vision go together. Look at the passage. Come, they said, he's calling you. Now, Bartimaeus could have sat there and went, oh, been blind all my life. It's never worked for me. That's good for you. But the Bible says God called him and Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, removed the weights, anything that would hold him back. And the Bible says he jumped up. He's blind. He jumped up and came to Jesus. He didn't wait He didn't waffle. He didn't waver. God called. Barnabas responded. Have you? Barnabas is blind. We know he's going to want to see in just a moment, but he cannot see. But God said, come. He didn't stop and go, well, when you open my eyes, he responds to Jesus because Jesus said it. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey. If you can't obey this, you're never going to see the greater of what God has for you. We have to trust and obey. Now, here's the fourth step. As you obey, being clear is crucial. Step four, being clear is crucial. Let me explain. Verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus replies, I want to see. See, getting your vision back is not complicated, but it does require clarity. Tell God specifically, accurately, honestly, what you want to do, what you want him to do for you. See, Jesus asked, what do you want? Bartimaeus says, I want to see. God says, here you go, next. It took all less than three seconds. (laughs) So let me encourage you. When you go home, after hearing this message, of which you will, step aside from life and write down exactly what you want for your marriage. And don't write, I want a good marriage. Duh! What does that mean? 
What does it look like? How about your finances? How about your relationships? How about your spiritual walk? Tell God what you want. Be specific. We've all heard the longest memory is at the end of the shortest pencil, right? I, I, I do this for my own life. I have written goals for my life, personally, uh, publicly, my marriage, my kids, the church. I write them down and I look at them often and I set them, if you will, in one month to six month increments. What I want to see happen, and I'm very specific, how many people I want to see saved. I'm very, very specific with God and we walk and we talk. And so I have these three things that I have at the top of my goals. If something is not written, it will not happen. And people go, well, I keep it right up here. And I'm like, wow, that, that's just to me a sad way of saying I'm just too lazy to take the time to write it down. I want it written because then I can exercise, if you will, its performance. So if something's not written, it will not happen. The second thing it says is this, if I do not review it daily, it will start dying immediately. And so God is not something I do occasionally. <laughs> okay, that's, what I, that's life, okay? Being with God is something I do all the time because that is life. And then the third one, if it can't be visualized, it will never materialize. Now notice what I just wrote. I write it down, because if it's not written, it won't happen. I look at it daily, because if I don't do that, it'll start dying immediately. But if I can't see it, <laughs> it isn't gonna happen. And do you know where that sight comes from? From God. And so I believe he's given me then the desires of my heart. And so that's very important to me. You know, when Disney's Epcot uh, opened in 1982, 16 years after Walt's death, I love this story, Walt's wife Lillian cut the ribbon during the opening ceremony. When she was called upon to come to the podium to deliver her speech, one of the executives reached out to her and said, Mrs. Disney, I sure wish Walt could have seen this. To which she turned and said, he did. Walt Disney walked the magic kingdom before it was ever opened. Walt Disney built Epcot before the ground was even broken. That was just the result of what he already saw. See, I believe the reason Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want? Jesus knows everything. It wasn't for Jesus to go, oh yeah, oh, that's it. Jesus wasn't asking for himself. Jesus was asking Bartimaeus for Bartimaeus. What do you want? And boy, talk about clarity. I want to see. And he saw. Now, let me just say this, and we're going to talk about these, okay? If God solved, watch this, if God solved the biggest problem we have, like getting us out of hell into heaven, anything we face, okay, outside of that, is really small potatoes. 
Deal? Deal. Deal. And so let's look at this. Let's review it. Okay? I shared with you, you have to trust and obey. Obedience is big. Jesus says, come. Did you pick up the phone? And then clarity. Clarity is crucial. What's going through your mind? Bartimaeus identifies Jesus as the Messiah by calling him the son of David. And so I think just by his identification of him at the very beginning sets up that idea of, I know you're the Messiah and I know you can do what you, the scriptures have said you can do. And so when he asks him, tells him, you know, heal my sight, he just jumps in because he's like, I know who you are. He wanted to get uh, Jesus' attention. And so he already had hope. And so just the fact that his voice was heard, that's all he needed. And um, he, he was definitely eager to, to, to listen. Here's step number five. We have to believe to achieve. So we have this hope, right? Hope of knowing what God can do. But now we've clarified what we want God to do. We gotta believe this. Verse 42 says this, and Jesus said, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Your faith, and immediately he received his sight. Let me, let me show you something. Faith is believing that something is true because of the someone who said it. Faith is believing that something's going to happen because of the someone who's able to make it happen. What do you really believe that God can do? When you look at the state of our country, what's the state of your Christ? What do you believe God can do? What do you believe Jesus can do? Belief is the key to achievement. I start out that way. If you think you can't, you won't. But if you know he can, you will. It's amazing what God can do. And here's step number six, and we'll talk about these. It's kind of an Aerosmith moment. Walk his way. Okay? Walk his way. I want to show you something that when I read this passage, I'd never seen before. And it jumped out at me because there is measurement all over this. And this is going to get a little bit personal. But I want you to look at verse 46. Bartimaeus is sitting by the road. But in verse 52, he's following Jesus on the road. He's sitting beside the road. He's now on the road. You see, here's my question for you. Which one describes you right now? Sitting on the road? or by the road, or going down the road with Jesus. Because if you're one of those people that says, I love the Lord, but you're going to wait to see how this COVID thing ends, you're as blind as a bat. You don't get it. If you're not serving somewhere right now, you don't get it. If you're not finding ways to give of yourself somehow, you don't get it. You see... We're all blind until we meet Jesus, right? But when you meet Jesus, you can't sit by the road. See, Bartimaeus 
the moment his eyes opened up, he's not now just hearing the voice, he's now seeing the voice. And Bartimaeus is like, I'm going where he's going. And I wonder if when we get to heaven and Jesus puts in a VCR tape, I only said that for all the younger people. What did he just say? <laughs> okay, I, I don't see it. <laughs> right. But he puts in, uh, he TiVos it, okay? And, and he fast goes back and he saves the moment. And he goes back to the crucifixion and wonder why the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because while he was stretched out and people were hurling insults, all of a sudden, we get to watch Jesus through his eyes, and he looks out, and why he had so much joy? Because there's Bartimaeus, who followed him all the way there. And even though people are hurling insults, he's just smiling, looking at him, because I know what he's going to do. They think they're killing him, but he's going to rise again. I just wonder if in that change... There's so much more we don't know because we have this little book, really, called the Bible that John said, if we wrote you everything that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books anywhere to contain it all. The power of what happens when you meet Jesus, you can't no longer sit. You got to move. You got to be on the road. See, which one describes you. I'm going to wrap this up here in a moment, but you got to have a belief. When God calls, do you really believe? Do you respond with everything he's telling us in his word? Are we like John crying out in a wilderness right now, in a world that desperately needs to see and hear Jesus? Have we caught the vision that God, despite what the world looks like, he is still God, he's still doing the miraculous, and he still can do amazing things? Bartimaeus was. He learned real quickly how to crowd out the critic, the crowd. And the voice of Jesus calls, he responds. And he had a belief. But he picks up, and instead of sitting beside the road, he's now on the road. I love that. I love that change. Something drastically happened. What's going through your mind as I'm sharing this? When somebody says vision, what do you think of, right? So like having vision is to dream. It's the I almost think of it in the idea of like a lot of people think vision and sight are the exact same thing. We're not necessarily true. I can grant you sight or you might already have sight, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have vision of what is out or what is to come or what is that next level that's there. And so like I jotted down that God's vision is perfect. So that's the vision that you should follow, right? You have the rest of the world. Great. Everybody can see. A lot of people can see. Some people can't see. But in terms of vision, so like you take Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road, he can't see. He doesn't have sight. But deep down, did he already know who God was, know who Jesus was? So that vision was there. And that's where he's like, all right, here we go. Like, this is that moment. This is that time. This is the path I'm supposed to be on. Oh, and the caveat of that is now I have sight and I get to follow. But I've had this vision the entire time because I knew this is where things were going to lead or where I would end up. And so that was the big, the big part for me in terms of the idea of like, like getting our vision back. It's, it's re-unlocking per se that, that dream, that ability to see above and beyond the current crisis you're in, the current valley that you're in, 
to know that there's something that is above and beyond. That's what we want you to be able to see. That's what God wants you to be able to see because he already sees it because he has the perfect vision for each individual person. Well, of course, one of my favorite words that used to be one of my words I hated the most in the whole wide world is obey. I just find that there's such power in obedience. And for some reason, we, we run from that instead of run to that. But what happened for me when Jesus claimed me and I claimed Jesus because it was a two-way love affair that happened in a moment, my life changed in that part, in the obedience part. I started to look for places to obey and ways to obey and ways to hear him instead of all of the clutter around me. And so that's, that's really, the invitation is real. It's simple. It's know Jesus, find Jesus, cling to Jesus, love Jesus, and let him love you like that. And you'll seek to obey. It is like something we can beat into people. It isn't. But once you surrender to Jesus, you can't help but want all of that. Here's a verse in, in Philippians 3, and I want to read it from the message. Here's what it says. Let us keep focused on the goal. Keep your eyes on the prize. For those of us, watch this, who want everything God has for us, need to stay focused. If any of you, and this is my prayer, have something else in mind. May God clear your blurred vision so you will see His. God, take it away. I want to see. What is God calling you? What has God been asking you? What are the next steps that you need to take? While you're pondering that, church, I want to tell you, this church is taking a lot of steps. We've been talking about that our vision is we want people to meet Jesus. But our relationships haven't changed. That's our mission. How are we going to do that? It's going to be in relationship, but it has to first be in relationship with Jesus. Therefore, if people are going to meet Jesus, we're going to have to be Jesus. We're his hands. We're his feet. We're his eyes. Imagine how many people were moved by Bartimaeus' faith. They knew who he was. And now he's a new person. How much more did he lift his voice to others? See, we don't know. What we do know is this. He went from being beside the road to being on the road with Jesus. With Jesus. How about you? What is blurring your vision? Well, we want you to know that we're going to be about people. And so this week, the LBA, the elders of the church voted to send $50,000 to Liberia. And they did that for the reason of Peace Island. When the wars took place over there, 35,000 people found themselves, if you will, on an island surrounded by marshland. And they had no, if you will, no, their dysentery, you can imagine, is, is just awful. There's no bathrooms there. And so with the unbelievable gift of World Hope partnering us with Habitat for Humanity, they took our $50,000 and turned it into about $300,000. And we're building showers and toiletry 
and, and everything you can imagine, true running water, 35,000 people in the next few months will be fully helped. And I love being a church like that. Yes. I'm thrilled by that. But there's another thing that we believe that God is calling us, especially when we come into the winter. Many of you know that we love Terry Redland. That is a partnership we have. And so two things we're doing. We're doing blankets for blessing. And what we're asking, and this is more for a lot of the homeless people with people who might have gotten COVID who can't go to certain shelters now because they have it. And so we're going to be partnering with the other ministries in town, um, uh, the Mission and the Ministry Center, uh, and for some of our own people. But we're asking everybody in the church, we know this, everybody in their home has one extra blanket. And we're just asking you to bring it to the church. Bring it to the church. And we're going to start, if you will, putting those where they need to be, especially coming in to these winter months. But we're also doing coats because we care. We care about kids and we care about families of Terry Redland. We've already reached out to Terry Redland. We're asking you for coats for children, for adults. But here's, here's the catch. Please don't empty your coat closet. We're asking you to go buy a new coat. I'd rather myself have the old used coat and go buy a new coat. I want to value people. I remember when we did this years ago and watching children get so excited as they're putting on a new coat and they've never worn a new coat in their lives. And I don't know how many times I heard little kids look at their mommies and go, is this mine, mommy? This is new. Is this mine? It was so amazing. And so we're going to partner with Blankets for Blessings and Coats for Kids and the families of Terry Redland. And church, we're going to start collecting those now in the next few weeks, especially we come in uh, to a time of Thanksgiving, coming in the holidays, and coming in to a very cold season. So now I ask you, what step do you need to take in getting vision back? What step did you get paralyzed in, you get caught in? Do you have hope? Because you have to have hope to cope. It begins with hope. What do we believe Jesus can do? Do you have the hope? And then I have to ask, how about step two? Are you trusting Christ above your critics? Do you let the naysayers tell you what you can't do? Or like Paul, I can do all things through Christ. What authority are you listening to? How about step three? Do you trust are you obedient? God said it. Is his word your authority? When it comes to asking or telling God what you want in his ask, are you clear? Have you written them down? Have you taken those times, even in marriage, in a shared goal to sit down and say, hey, baby, what do we really want for our marriage? And, and if we're going to have kids, what do we want for our children? I was just today with a Jewish rabbi and it was such a wonderful time. And uh, I began to talk with him when he began to really study and learn the Bible. And it was taught to his, from his parents to him when he was five. And he had to go through the entire book of Genesis and Exodus at the age of five. And he said, it sure beats all those other nursery rhymes. And I looked at him and said, and a whole lot more powerful. Who's our authority? Who's our authority? 
And then I have to ask, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you really believe? Do you have the faith? And it really comes down to this. Well, that, it, that is answered in, are you in the ditch right now? Are you beside the road or are you on the road? What step do you need to take? With that, let me pray. Father, we want to be a people of vision. And God, I believe when we look at today's world in which we live, boy, we need your vision more than ever before. God, to walk in such a way that maybe right now we would be the seeing eyes for someone else. That they would see in us a life filled with direction, a life filled with hope, a life filled with passion and vigor, a life full of joy, because we know who our Savior is. And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future. And because of that, life is worth living. It's what it's about. God, I know that there's some listening. It's a message they need to hear. And God, I pray that they would begin to develop a posture of just brokenness before you. And that, God, they would come to you and start realizing what you can do, just like Bartimaeus. That, Lord, that they would jump up because they know that Jesus is up to something awesome. Lord, we're in a crazy world right now. There's a lot of ugly going on. But amidst it all, there is a light. There is a hope. There is an eternal flame that cannot be put out. And it's beautiful. And it's you. And I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.